Radio. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. A talk by Jess Leach at the Immaculata Mission School 2014, held at the Sacred Heart Retreat Centre in Croydon, Melbourne. Good morning, everyone. So we heard this morning about the Holy Spirit. You could talk forever about the Holy Spirit, so we heard a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And even from that little bit, when I think about the Holy Spirit, a free gift, God himself, counsellor, love, rivers of living water flowing from the heart of Christ, I think, well, I don't know about you guys, but I think I want that. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Sounds like something that I need, something that could transform my life. Sounds like I want to be in relationship with God in the Holy Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, St. Paul says, we live by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit. And so we have to ask, what does this mean? What does life in the Holy Spirit mean? I want to propose a few things that it means and discuss them a little bit before talking more about the way that we can live this fullness of relationship with the Spirit. So I think firstly, it means love. Love of God and love of neighbour. Because that's the first commandment. So if God himself is going to come into our lives, surely the first thing he's going to come for is for that first commandment. That you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and your neighbour as yourself. The Holy Spirit reveals himself in our lives in our prayer, in our desire for prayer and the graces that we receive through prayer, in repentance, the grace that we can receive to turn away from sin, in discernment, the grace to be more closely united to God and to be guided by him, in the gifts of the Spirit. So we receive seven gifts and our baptism. And they're found in Isaiah chapter 11. And they are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, St. Paul also outlines the spiritual gifts. So we'll go through all these a little bit. The utterance of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, ability to distinguish between spirits and various kinds of tongues. So how can all these aspects, all these um, ways that we see the Holy Spirit working in us, how can they manifest in our lives? We think about love. It's a nice concept sometimes. But how is it concretely real in the way that we live? It means being prepared to put the other before myself, being prepared to put God first. We know we concretely love God, not when we necessarily feel it or think it, but when we live it. And it deeply penetrates our heart, more than just a feeling, more than mere emotion. It's a living desire to love. We know when we're in a relationship with somebody whoever they might be, it might be a parent, a friend, a boyfriend, 
We experience the reality of the person in a way that's very concrete. They challenge us sometimes. Things about them rub against us and we realise that things about us need to change as opposed to some sort of airy-fairy concept of love. It's a love that changes us. Our prayer. When the Holy Spirit is working more and more powerfully in us, our prayer can become more and more natural, more and more free, more and more a dialogue with someone who dwells within us. We might use words like childlike or spontaneous or faithfulness in prayer and authenticity. Because if we're spending all our time on our knees but we're not telling the Lord what we really feel or what we really think, then there's something lacking in our, the authenticity of our relationship with him. Repentance. So the repentance brings freedom and also a desire to grow in repentance. Repentance is a, is a little bit like a drug in that sense. You know, once you experience his mercy, once you say, I'm sorry, Lord, um, once you encounter that he loves you, no matter what you've done, that desire to repent grows more and more strong and ultimately purifies us through the power of the Spirit. And discernment, that ability to hear God more clearly, to have a sense of peace in what he's asking of us and in where we're going. You might have experienced it in maybe coming to mission school. You might have just heard of this thing that goes for nine days and maybe you've never done something like that before. But there was this sense of, that feels... That feels right. That's the Holy Spirit at work in discernment. So we see that love, prayer, repentance, discernment. Then the gifts of the Spirit, the seven gifts of the Spirit given to us in baptism are given for our holiness. The Catechism says they complete and perfect the virtues of those who receive them. So if we've been baptised and we're really living our baptism, we should see the fruits of those gifts. We should see, as St Paul said, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Because none of us are perfect. And because our relationship with the Spirit is a constant growing, a constant growing, a constant receiving more of the Holy Spirit and walking more faithfully with the Holy Spirit. If I sit there and I think, I look at that list and I know that there are areas that I'm being challenged in, praise God. Because it means there's only, I can only keep growing. When God reveals to us that we're not perfect, that we haven't got it all together yet, what does it tell us? It tells us that we need him more. It shows us that we have to ask to increase those graces of baptism, to increase our cooperation with his Holy Spirit. And then there are the spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read to you a little bit from this because it's a very important text. He speaks about the gifts that are given for the upbuilding of the church, which can also be called charisms. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are a variety of gifts, 
but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of working, but it is the same God who inspires them all in everyone. So while the gifts that we receive might be different, there might be one gift that God gives to one person that he doesn't give to another because he gives them something else. It's all for the Lord. He's not, um, he's not excluding any of us from the work in the kingdom. He says to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. These gifts aren't for myself. So the gifts that we see in Isaiah when we see wisdom and counsel and fortitude and piety, those gifts, those gifts are given so that we can grow in holiness. These gifts that St Paul is speaking about are given so that we can serve the church. And he outlines the gifts. He says, To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues. So I'm going to go through these different gifts and just speak a little bit on each of them because because these gifts are for the church, God gives them to us freely, but also we can ask for them. And it's really good to know and be aware of the way that the Lord is working through the Holy Spirit in us and in the church. So we have the utterance of wisdom, the giving of practical counsel and of speaking through the power of the Spirit. We can think of, for example, when Jesus promised his disciples that they would be given wisdom when they were dragged before magistrates and judges. So we can trust that the Lord will speak words of wisdom to us that we can then speak. And this is particularly um, powerful in evangelization or in situations of conflict, to know the right thing to say at the right time, but not in a human way, not in a human way, to know it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we might be in a situation and we might say something and we think, how is that the right thing to say? But we all of a sudden you see that it really was. I remember when I was um, studying at the Emmanuel School of Mission in Rome and we were doing street evangelisation in Scotland and I was standing in front of the church and a man was walking past, a middle-aged man, and I said, hi, do you have a moment to talk? And he said, you don't want to talk to me, you're not interested in me. And I said, yes, I am. He said, no, you're not, You're, you're talking to everyone. And I said... You know, as honestly as I could, well, I'm, I'm interested in everyone. And he said, fine, tell me about God. Just like that. And there was such an anger and a hurt in his voice. And I just, you know, I'd obviously, we were on mission. We'd been praying to the Holy Spirit. We'd been asking the Holy Spirit to speak through us. And at that moment, I knew I needed not my wisdom, but the wisdom of God. And so I replied, you tell me about God. <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? And he said, if I told you what I think about God, you'd be offended. And I said, I'm standing here on the street talking to strangers. It's not going to be easy to offend me. And it opened him up. He told me how he he couldn't believe in God because of suffering and of how this man, his name was Alastair. Please pray for him. His name was Alastair. He had no friends. His only friend was his dog 
who was 11 and close to death. His father had died 40 years earlier and his mother, who was in her 90s, was close to death. She was in a vegetative state. Um, you know, we talked for maybe 45, 50 minutes in the end. And all I know is that he walked away from there knowing someone did care about him and that the reason that person cared about him was because of Christ. And I really praise the Lord that in that moment, that was a word of wisdom from God, not from my own thinking. Because normally, why would I ever tell a person walking past me on the street who says that to me, no, you tell me about God. But he needed, he needed for whatever reason, someone to be real, someone to put it in his face so he could just get that hurt out. So it's an example, especially in evangelization, of how the Holy Spirit can give us words of wisdom. And sometimes the Holy Spirit can help us to utter knowledge. That is, to speak something through us that we could not have known. That we, that we don't even know where it comes from, perhaps. And this is often for encouragement of another person or to give another person faith. Because they might think, whoa, how could you know that? There's no way you could know that. You know, the Lord is doing something here. And... An example that I have of that is uh, Maria, Maria Alessi is here. Hi, Maria. And Maria's mum, Roseanne, is really a woman of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes you meet people and when you speak to them, you know that they are close to God and God is speaking through them often. And um, I, I was going through this little phase where it's not a big deal, but I realised I don't have a saint's name in my name. And I, I know it's like really not, a, it's not a big deal, but I was like, oh, you know, I'd love to have a saint's name. I, I really would love to have a patron saint. And then Sister Mary Michael said to me, well, you could have Our Lady of Victories because your middle name is Victoria. I thought, oh, that's a great idea. Okay, great. No worries. And I didn't really think any more of it. And maybe a month or two after this had happened, I was at an, um, at an evening, a prayer evening like this, and I was outside the church at about 11 o'clock and Roseanne Alessi was there and she started talking to me. And she was very excited about God, very, very excited about God. So she kept saying to me, God has won, he has won, God has the victory. And all I could really say was, Yes. Like for about five minutes, we had this conversation and she was just exhorting God, just saying how great God was, that Jesus had won, that he was risen, you know, that he had the victory. And I was just like, yes. And then finally, she was so excited. She took my hands in hers and she said, Jesus is victorious. Your name should be Jesse Victorious. You should be called Jessica Victoria. She didn't know my middle name. I never told her that. I was gobsmacked. I said, that is my name. She said, oh, I did not know. <laughs> and I really, it really struck me. Jesse victorious. Jesus is victorious. And then the more I prayed about it, the more I thought about my conversion, the more I thought about how God had just come in with a club, said, I've got the victory here. Jesus had come in and claimed. And that meant so much to me through her speaking that word of knowledge, which she could never have known. So there's an example of, of the gift of knowledge. Um, <laughs> faith. So St Paul says the gift of faith through the Spirit. Now we all receive faith from the Holy Spirit and faith is a gift of baptism and faith can be given by the Holy Spirit 
in many, many ways, but it can also be given in an extraordinarily large way, a strong way, perhaps for a person's whole life or at a specific time, to help others to trust too, for that building up of the community and, and to heal, to come into a situation and say, we believe God, we believe God can have command over this. I want to give you an example of this. A, a woman that I know had a... Her grandmother was a very, very spiritual woman, a very prayerful woman of great faith. And one day, a woman that she knew phoned her up. She rang her, and um, her friend was distraught. Her husband of 30 years had walked out on her. He had started an affair and moved to South Africa and left her after 30 years, and she was completely beside herself. She said, would you pray with me? So over the phone they prayed, and my friend's grandmother prayed with such faith and conviction. She said, Lord Jesus, we pray he would have a conversion. We pray he would come back. We pray he would realise that this is a mistake. We pray that you would work in this situation for healing and conversion. She just asked God for what seemed to be the impossible. This man on the other side of the world, gone to South Africa, having an affair after 30 years, demanding that the Lord would bring him back. Two months later, her friend is at home and the doorbell rings and there is her husband standing on the doorstep. And he says, I'm so sorry. I made the biggest mistake ever. Please forgive me. If you can, forgive me. And she forgave him and he came inside and they started to talk. And she said, what happened? And he said, about two months ago, I was lying on the beach in South Africa with this woman and I fell into a deep, deep sleep. And when I came out of this sleep, I, I sat there and I looked at her lying there beside me and then I looked out at the waves and as I looked at the waves, I remembered you and how we met and how I fell in love with you and all those little things about you that meant everything to me and I realised that I'd made the worst mistake of my life and that I had to, from that moment on, do everything I could to fix things there and then get back here. So the gift of faith, to ask for things that might seem impossible and to believe. The gift of healing, so the gift of physical and spiritual healing, that the Lord responds to a basic human need, but also through healing, he draws us more and more deeply into the reality that is his mercy, the reality that he can heal. And through that discovering God's action in our lives. For many people, especially when they've been burdened with sickness or with some sort of suffering, to experience that God wants to come into that and change it you know, is a remarkable, a remarkable thing for their faith, but also for the faith of all those around them. And we have examples of this in the Acts of the Apostles, both St Peter and St Paul healings. My favourite example is when St Paul speaks for so long that a young man falls asleep and falls off a balcony and dies and because he was talking for that long and uh, he brings him back to life raises him from the dead you know an incredible spiritual gift of healing we have gifts of miracles which aid the church but also increase the faith and a very um, beautiful and modern example of this is Padre Pio 
there's the gift of prophecy, which is not fortune-telling, as we might sometimes think, but rather the ability to hear God's word for a person or for a group. It might come through images, through words, or through scripture. Um, you might have had, you might have the experience, perhaps, of receiving prayer, and two people praying for you receive exactly the same image. You know, the Lord is often trying to speak to us through those around us. And he wants us to be able to listen to his spirit. What is his spirit saying to this person or to this group right now? The word of the Lord coming, coming to us through our brothers and sisters. The gift of tongues, of speaking or we might say praying in tongues, is like the gift of a prayer language, a beautiful way to invoke the Holy Spirit, to pray to let the Spirit pray through you is for the increase of our own faith and our own relationship with God because of that experience that the Holy Spirit's speaking through me, the Holy Spirit's praying in me, the Holy Spirit's coming to me in a language that's just between me and him and can be also a real gift for prayer. And we'll hear a... Um, yeah, it can be a real, a real gift for prayer to enable us to really pray with others. Sometimes you might, have heard, you might have heard prayer in tongues before, you might have already received that gift, or you might have heard it while you've been here at this mission school. And I remember um, a lot of people in the past have said to me that they, were a bit, they found it a bit weird or they didn't really want the gift of tongues. I've heard quite a few testimonies about people saying, not that gift, Lord, not that gift. Um, and then discovering the beauty of that gift. But I really wanted the gift of tongues. So I was, it was not my experience. Um, because when I came to Immaculata and I first encountered it, I was so touched by the way it meant that somebody could pray with me for a very long time because they could really pray in the spirit. And I thought, this is fantastic. You know, this grace, you better pray. So I would ask the Lord for this gift. And it just didn't come. <laughs> And I was like, well, where's that gift coming from, Lord? And every now and then, I, I once or twice, I tried to pray in tongues and it just didn't, didn't happen. And I was like, okay, I, you know, in your time, Lord Jesus. And so um, I journeyed on in the faith for about a year and a half and went to Emmanuel School of Mission and there was lots of singing and praying in tongues. And it was great and everyone else got the gift and it didn't happen. And I was like, okay, no worries. I mean, you know, I'm very open, but all in your time, Lord. Um, and just kind of really just surrendered at thought, you know, the Lord knows when. And wow. <laughs> um, and then I was, I was in America. Um, so I just finished ESM and I was in America traveling. And I was staying with someone who I love very dearly and was very far from the Lord. And I was in the back seat of the car and they were in the front seat with another friend and all of a sudden, they started, they didn't start talking about the meaning of life, but they started talking about stuff that could sort of possibly lead to the meaning of life. And I saw an opening. I saw that there was something happening in that car that could maybe open the door to talking about, about the Lord. And so I was in the back seat, and under my breath, I opened my mouth to say a little prayer, you know, just to say something like, oh, Lord Jesus, bless them. And very, very quietly, inaudibly to them, out came tongues, just like that. And I really realised that as much as I had longed for that gift all that time, the Lord wanted to give it to me for someone else, not for myself. 
um, he wanted to give it for someone else. And what a joy and a grace that that was. So I want to talk a little bit now about the, the infusion of the Holy Spirit, the life lived in the Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit in our lives. Because while we've received the Holy Spirit in baptism and confirmation, when we've lived those sacraments, we've received the Holy Spirit. And yet Jesus taught his disciples to continue to ask for the Holy Spirit. He says, this was the, um, the reference that I said this morning, but I didn't have it quite right. He says... So he's speaking about a father and he says, you're speaking, you ask and you will find. Um, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And that our fathers would never give us um, a serpent if we asked for a fish or a scorpion if we asked for an egg. You know? So he's saying, you know how to give your children what is good, what is good. If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Lord Jesus is asking us, he's telling us to ask for the Holy Spirit. And we see that the disciples did this in Acts. They were constantly laying their hands on each other, constantly calling upon the Holy Spirit, constantly knowing that they needed that strength and that power. And there's a beautiful anecdote uh, in the book that I shared this morning about Peter Kreef's book on the Holy Spirit about a desert father who was always praying for the Holy Spirit. And one day one of his, um, his followers who was learning monasticism and prayer through this desert father came to him and said, you know, you, you have already received the Holy Spirit in your baptism and your confirmation. Why do you continue to ask? And the desert father replied, I leak I don't know about you guys, but I can get pretty leaky. So I need to keep asking the Lord to keep pouring out his Holy Spirit in my life. And I really, I love the term outpouring when we talk about this sort of receiving of the Holy Spirit, this asking for the Holy Spirit. It's very descriptive. It implies that it's not something that only has to happen once, that it's powerful, that the gift that is being poured out is abundant, that is, the Holy Spirit is abundantly being poured out. And that what is being poured out will overflow and outpouring too much, so much, more, just over and over. And so the outpouring, we can think of the outpouring, for example, in the life of St. Philip Neri that I shared about this morning. This, the, whole, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit can be a moment of conversion, but someone may have already been living very, very deeply with the Lord. And yet there is this giving of grace to live more and more united to God. Such as we heard with Philip Neary this morning. And I heard a beautiful testimony once from a, an elderly man from France. And he and his wife had been in a prayer group in the 1970s. And they were already very close to the Lord. He, they were doing all-night adoration. Um, they were leading different prayer ministries, like lead, leading different prayer nights and things like this. And then one night they went to a prayer night and there was an option to receive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which they'd never heard of or, or done, but they thought, okay, why not? And so they went up the front. Everyone prayed over them to receive outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He said he didn't feel anything. Nothing happened. 
he went home and it, for some reason he and his wife had to go separately. So he was driving and it was dark. And he said it started raining, raining so hard that his windscreen wipers weren't making a difference. So he stopped the car to get out and see what was wrong. And he got out of the car and it wasn't raining. He'd been crying. So powerfully and, and almost so unaware of it himself. And all of a sudden he said he stood there on the side of the road and he wept for the love of God that he'd never said he'd never really encountered until that moment being poured out in him. And so this grace and this giving of the spirit to encounter God, to let God flow out of us, flow into us and flow out of us. This outpouring, it can happen in different ways. It can happen like that man and his wife receiving prayer, like we'll have the option to receive prayer tonight. It can happen spontaneously. Um, it can happen because we ask for it, because God wants to grant our desires. He wants to answer our prayers. If we say, Lord, I want to grow in your spirit, I want to grow in your love, I want to be more and more united to you, there's nothing in that that he doesn't want to respond to. So we're going to um, have a time tonight where we will have that opportunity to do that, to renew, um, renew baptismal promises, ask for the outpouring in our own words, invite the gifts of the spirit and receive a time of prayer. And there's a particular grace a particular grace in the church at this time to explicitly ask for and receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So as we know, these last 2,000 years have been the era of the Holy Spirit because that was ushered in with Christ's death and resurrection. But there is a particular grace at the moment. And I wanted to share just a couple of very small things. The first is that Pope Leo XIII declared that the 20th century would be the century of the Holy Spirit. So we've just lived, that, that century just gone was declared by the church the century of the Holy Spirit. And it came about through the work of one woman, whose name I don't remember, um, who would write to him all the time about the need to pray for the Holy Spirit, about the need to focus more on the Holy Spirit, the need for the church to be more aware of the Holy Spirit. And he listened to her and he listened to the Spirit and declared a whole century the century of the Holy Spirit. And then we had the Second Vatican Council and blessed John XXIII, at the opening of that council, he asked for Catholics around the world to pray, to pray, Lord, renew your wonders in this our day as by a new Pentecost. Which is a pretty remarkable prayer to, to pray and a pretty remarkable thing to ask. Paul VI said, we live in the church at a privileged moment of the Spirit. Everywhere people are trying to know him better, as the scripture reveals him. They are happy to place themselves under his inspiration. They are gathering about him. They want themselves to be led by him. It is not by chance that the great inauguration of evangelization took place on the morning of Pentecost under the inspiration of the Spirit. So this is undoubtedly a special time of the Holy Spirit, and yet the Spirit blows where it wills, so we don't always understand why. But 
we know that the Lord wants to show us that he loves us and wants to work in our lives. It's his promise to each of us that he will pour out his spirit in our hearts. I want to finish by reading uh, to you from Isaiah. It's from Isaiah chapter 44. It's verses 1 to 5. And when I read this, I really felt that this was his promise to us. That he's, he's speaking through the scriptures directly right now to you and to me. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. They shall spring up like grass amid waters, like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, the Lord's and surname himself by the name of Israel. So we really thank you, Lord God, that you promised that you would pour out your spirit upon us, upon the descendants of of Israel. Amen. That was Gifts of the Holy Spirit with Jess Leach. For more from the Immaculata Mission School, visit cradio.org.au.